episode 111, Cosmetic Laser Dermatology. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we are Dr. Kachu Lee Perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards nominated host as we get a behind the curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Okay, so this interview is full of some wild technology and scheduling. So when I first did the interview, I was in China and I was trying out a new system to record. However, during the interview, we actually lost connection and then it would connect again. So even though we had a good hour, there was less that was actually covered. And so we were planning to redo it when I went to America uh, like a week or two later. Well, I'm telling you, I got the time zones mixed up, didn't schedule it, didn't make the interview. And then the next time we had some issues with Skype. It was just kind of a a mess, to be quite honest. So there was a few things more that we could have covered that we wanted to cover, but we decided to just take what we have. It's still a really good interview. We just kind of missed a few pieces like what she offers versus, say, mid-levels and nurses. What are those differences? And then some family life questions. So, um... Needless to say, from from past interviews, there is a difference. It's all the intimate knowledge of what you're using, what not to use, the right doses. There's so many things that makes a difference. So enjoy the interview. There's still jam-packed full of good information like we're going to talk about a lot of like say the ultra pulse fractionated co2 laser what's that good for when you're looking at minority skin what what else matters there non-ablative lasers chemical pills bellafil what is sclerotherapy what's it used for any marketing ideas um what do you do about like staff training also patient interaction all those types of things for a dermatologist to consider so uh, like i said it's gonna be a great interview take a listen and when it ends kind of abruptly you'll know why we just ran out time. I just want to say one more time, sorry to Dr. Lee. Uh, Very unusual to have so many issues in one episode, but I still hope that you are able to use this episode for marketing or social proof or whatever it is that you want. And like I said, uh, to the audience, you'll definitely learn a whole bunch about lasers in a cosmetic dermatology setting. By the way, you know, I've said this before that I pre-record some episodes and sometimes I record the uh, intro like this earlier than they actually come out because, you know, when I went to America, uh, I didn't want to have to uh, do this on my vacation. So as we speak right now, my parents and I are all in China. My family, we're having a good time. They are experiencing life, how I live it, and exploring new food and a new culture. And, you know, it's going good. Definitely follow Instagram and Facebook and you'll be able to uh, see and keep up with everything that is going on over the last month. It's officially Chinese New Year right now, so it's going to get a little wild and crazy. Okay, all the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 111. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China and Nantucket, Rhode Island, we have a great guest today. She is a board-certified and cosmetic fellowship-trained dermatologist with heavy specialization in laser therapy. It's definitely something that I'm curious about and I don't know much about. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Kachu Li. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. You were actually recommended from another guest in the past, and he's like, oh, you should definitely call her, and she's going to be a wealth of good information for you. So I was like, well, that's fantastic. Uh, One of the things we'd love to do, just to get a basic background of all the things you could have done, you chose medicine, and then you chose one of the hardest things to get into, dermatology. Just a little background. How'd that happen? So I absolutely love the skin. I have two older sisters, and... Being the third and youngest child, you know that you get trucked around to all of your sister's appointments and sports and 
everything in between. So my oldest sister had a lot of skin issues. Um, and one of the things that I did a lot with her when I was little was I went to a dermatologist's appointment. And I really saw the difference in how she acted and carried herself before she went to the dermatologist when she had really, really awful and bad acne. And I saw her transformation over a few years after she started going to the dermatologist and really regained her confidence because her skin was now cleared. And I just thought that was the most amazing thing that you could do for someone to really give them their self-confidence, their self-esteem back simply by treating their skin. And so that was one of the motivating reasons for why I went into dermatology, because I want to be able to help those people regain their confidence, regain their life, you know, make friends in high school and be themselves just by purely treating their skin. Mm-hmm. Well, kids are mean, so I can definitely understand uh, wanting to help with that. That's for sure. Okay, so dermatology, the ones I've had in the past, they're more about cancers and mole surgery and I guess what to call like life-threatening potentially type of route. And then are you more on the cosmetic side of dermatology instead? Yes. So I am a laser and cosmetic trained dermatologist, which means that in addition to doing dermatology fellowship, I did a specialty Uh, or in addition to doing dermatology residency, I did a specialty fellowship specifically in lasers and cosmetics up at Massachusetts General Hospital um, affiliated with Harvard Medical School. So my goal is to help people become their ideal version of themselves and to help regain their confidence and regain their self-esteem. Ah, now I already know sometimes you guys get get jabbed a little bit by your colleagues for being skin doctors. Is it even worse when you're dealing with like the the specialty that you're doing right now? Or do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's definitely some people who don't see the value of what I do. But really, I think that with the way that our society is evolving and with social media, with, you know, uh, TV and uh, the internet being so popular, I think the value of cosmetics is definitely becoming more mainstream Mm -hmm. than even it what it was 10 years ago. Um, if you even think about five years ago, it was hard to find someone who would admit that they did something. And now not only do people admit it, but they proudly declare it and proudly talk about what they've done to become their ideal version of themselves. So I think because it's become more mainstream and more accepted, it's definitely uh, made it a lot easier for other specialists or other physicians to understand the importance of what we do. Um, I also think very importantly, there's a lot more actual evidence-based quality of life research that is out there now. And the quality of life research has shown the immense improvements people have in their social, physical, and mental functioning after having done cosmetic procedures. So it's not just a, a procedure for beauty anymore. It's really a procedure that people do to improve their overall health. And the evidence is out there to show that that's what that's what's going on. Yeah, that's really great. I think we forget about that. And when we see it, it, it makes a huge difference in somebody's personality. Like you said, even your sister, the confidence. And you don't have to live, especially if you don't have to live with it. You know, you, oh, I thought I would have to always look like this or feel this way. And you're like, no, actually, we can just do a probably a simple procedure. Lasers are, you know, usually they go home, I guess, the same day, right? Definitely. Most of our procedures have no downtime. So a lot of times I call them the lunchtime procedure. Uh, You come in, you do your procedure at lunchtime, go back to work and feel fabulous about yourself. All right. We're going to play. What is this game? Because (laughs) 
<laughs> some of these things. I don't know what some of the stuff that you do is, but I looked on your website. I'm like, okay, that's interesting to me. That's interesting. And that's the fun part about, I think, this podcast is we get to learn something. If you're a physical therapy, you're a chiropractor, a podiatrist, huh, let's learn something new today. You ready for this? Of course. Okay. The Ultra Pulse Fractionated CO2 Laser. What is that? And are there other options available? That is my favorite powerhouse laser. And when I say powerhouse, it is a powerhouse. And I use that laser to treat scars. Um, when I'm talking about scars, I'm talking about your really thick kind of keloidal scarring. So what you get from really bad acne scarring on your chest and back, um, what you get from bad burns or really just bad keloid scars. The laser can penetrate very deep, which is why it's good for deep scars. I use other devices that are not as uh, deeply penetrating for things like acne scars on your face. But I think keloid scarring and acne scarring is one of the long-term sequelae of our teenage years uh, for those unfortunate enough to have had really bad acne. And for people who have bad acne scarring, this is one of the best options out there to help soften those scars and to help uh, minimize the appearance of those scars. Now, does this work for African-Americans who get those big keloids? Definitely. And that's probably a large proportion of my population. So um, for African-Americans who have a lot of the big keloids, especially on their chest, this is an amazing treatment to help with softening and reducing the size of those scars. In people of color, it can there's a higher risk of it causing dispigmentation like hyper or hypopigmentation. So the laser still works. It's just that we use slightly lower settings and do more treatments instead of using high settings and doing fewer treatments. But in my opinion, it's better to have a result where there isn't any dispigmentation and just take a little longer getting there than to try to rush and get there from the beginning, but then be left with a result we're not happy with. Will it look like vitiligo-ish or more like a like like kind of white scar tissue instead? So ideally, after you treat the scar, it's just going to look more like your normal skin, but there's just maybe a little small area that's raised up. Maybe it'll be you know ninety percent better, and you still can tell that there's a scar there, but you won't have to for. Um, people with the scars invisible area, they won't have to put makeup on it anymore to try to hide it. Or others won't remark on, oh, why do you have that huge bump on your chest or that huge bump on your shoulder? So it's going to make the texture better. And ideally, it won't, uh, it won't cause any uh, skin discoloration. Okay, very nice. That could be good too. Like if you're in a frat or something, and you got a big brain on your arm, you're like, yeah, that was a part of me I don't want anymore. Yeah, it's a way to help take care of that. That's a good, that would be a good use of your laser. <laughs> okay. The acne scars, we watch movies and we see these old guys sometimes in this 4K world. And you're like, wow, you really are full of acne scars and you're still a superstar. I don't really know how that worked. But someone like that, that's a good representation of something that you could use with the face setting to uh, smooth it out. Yeah. So there's a lot of other uh, non-ablative lasers as well as things like subcision or chemical peels that you can use to smooth out the acne scars. And I do all of that. Uh, and many cosmetic dermatologists do all of those types of treatments. But I think the people, especially those old school actors who have a lot of that like ice pick scarring, those 
yeah. indentations in their skins. Those are the people who could really use um, some acne scar resurfacing, whether with a non-ablative laser like the Fraxel laser or whether, whether it's with subcision or a filler like Bellafil. My goal is for this next generation to not have anyone that has that type of deep pitted acne scarring. Do you put like a Novocaine or some kind of pain relief before you go through this? Because I've heard the tattoo removals are brutal. Definitely. So I either use topical uh, numbing medicine, so like a topical version of Novocaine, except it's a topical lidocaine, a compounded mixture yeah, lidocaine. that works really well. Or for people that are very pain adverse or short on time, I can do injectable lidocaine that can help. <sighs> Increase the pain. That one's intense. <laughs> hey, can you just shoot me? Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Crank her up. Like, what kind of treatments are we talking about? I guess it all depends, of course, how big something is, but can we assume two or three visits? We're looking more like 10 for some cases. It depends on how bad your scar is. So, for some of my patients, two or three is enough, but for a lot of my patients who have really bigger, thicker keloid scars, probably six to 10 if you're skin of color. I need to be, I'll use lower settings, but a lot more treatments. And so those will definitely require a lot more treatments, even, you know, 10 or in excess of 10. But I always tell people that, you know, with each treatment, you'll definitely see the result. It's incremental. So you'll see it happen slowly. But really, when you compare the before and the after all the treatments, you're just going to see a miraculous transformation. Um, and it's going to really uh, help to improve that person's self-esteem. It's going to just change their life. You know, for a lot of my patients putting makeup on to cover their scars, they don't have to wear makeup on their chest anymore. They don't have to wear makeup, you know, thick foundation anymore on their face because they don't have to be trying to cover up that texture. Makeup is great for covering color, like if your face is really red, but it's awful for covering texture because to cover texture, you really need to be applying like Hollywood studio level of makeup to really smooth out the texture. Wow. Do you find that some people come in, they're really, they're really excited and then they find out how much it costs and they're like, hmm, all right. There, is there an option where they can get injected with lidocaine and just do one or two sessions because that's, quote, all they can afford versus doing something more like five or six at a normal setting? Yeah. So they, um, we definitely work with patients in their budget. So if they can't afford the entire series, we may go with a less expensive option or instead of using a laser, maybe we'll do a chemical peel or subcision. My biggest, my biggest um, hesitation is to do laser like once or twice on someone that really needs it 10 times because if they really need 10 laser treatments and they're spending all their money on two laser treatments, they're just not going to be able to get the results they want. And I'd rather redirect them financially to do something that will get them the results that are maybe temporary, but will make them happy. So whether that's using Bellafil to fill their acne scars or whether that's using chemical peels for resurfacing, it'll get them at least a better result that may not last permanently, but at least they'll be happy with what they got. So you're not going to look like you went through, got half a tattoo and you just couldn't take the pain and you quit. Like it'll still look like, okay. Is that, is that analogy make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. So it'll still look okay. It'll still look better, but I, but it may not fit with the person's goals of how much okay. better they want it to be. Okay. All right. We just hate, would hate to start and be like, yeah, you're really going to need to finish six guys. Like, like for real. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And what's this, what's this Bellafil? 
Is it long-lasting, permanent? Belafil is actually the only FDA-approved filler for acne scars. We use a lot of things off-label. So other than Belafil, we also use you know, Juvederm or Restylane or other um, other products. But Belafil is one of the only actual FDA-approved uh, treatments for acne scar. And it works by stimulating your own collagen regrowth, which is why it's uh, a good option for kind of more permanent correction. Hmm, interesting. Now, what is, let's say, sclerotherapy leg vein, for leg vein issues? What, what goes on there? So I have tons of patients that have such beautiful legs. They work out all the time to tone their body and tone their muscles. But then I ask them why they aren't showing those beautiful legs off and all of their hard work off. And they tell me it's because of their veins. Mm. And that's where we come in. If you're putting in the work, hitting the gym, I'm here to help you get rid of some of those varicose veins or get rid of some of those superficial veins. A lot of times um, people have varicose veins or other reticular veins just because of genetics. Their mom has really bad veins or dad has really bad veins or they work at a job where they're standing for 24 hours or standing for a very long time, like waitressing or in medicine, if they're working in like a, in surgery or something like that. And sclerotherapy is where I use um, an injectable medication. I inject it directly into the veins. Mm. And after I do- inject it directly into the vein, um, the medicine basically causes that vessel to coagulate and close off. And so it disappears from the surface of your skin. All of these veins you see on the surface right underneath or right underneath the surface of the skin are superficial. Mm-hmm. So you don't need them for life or for survival. Um, so closing them off and getting rid of, and getting rid of them um, leads to a great cosmetic result. Oh, so you can, it's kind of like you clip, it's not clipping, but you know, it's chemically clipping the cord on one end and the other. So it stops getting the blood flow. So it stops swelling. It doesn't kill it. Um, it, well, the, so the, you're, um, I'm injecting the medicine directly into the vein. So it's coagulating it and killing the vein itself. Wow. And then what happens to the vein inside you? Your body resorbs it. What? Yeah. So it's basically not there anymore. That's wild. But you just, okay, that's pretty wild to me because I'm thinking normally you would cut them out or at least that's the old school way. You can still cut out like the really, really deep veins, but really I think if you can use a non-invasive method, there's a lot of newer technologies that help us prevent having to go under the knife for veins. And I'm assuming the way you do it, it stops it from, I guess, leaking the wrong way or going to a, a major vein that you actually needed. All of those are... Yeah, so all of the major veins that you actually need are pretty deep underneath the skin, so you really don't those ones as much. So all of the ones that are superficial on top of the skin are basically um, superficial tributaries that you don't really need. Wow. Do people get nervous about that when you when you tell them what you can do? I think people are just so excited at the prospect that they can get rid of their veins and wear skirts or show off their legs again that they they are willing to go undergo that type of treatment. So I mean it's really amazing the results you can get because People come in and they have all these like knobbly veins that they really don't like. And after we do the sclerotherapy within a month, their legs are much smoother. We may not have gotten all the veins, but if you don't get all the veins, you can always treat them again. Um, and it really does such a, it does such a good job at getting rid of those unwanted varicose veins that I think anyone who is having 
issues with veins should really consider uh, getting it done. And it's also a medically necessary procedure for some people. Some people have a lot of pain or discomfort because of all the varicosities. And so for those patients, it's not just about cosmetics. It's actually a medical procedure that can be done and can be potentially covered by insurance. Mm. Is there anything we can do? Can we wear supportive stockings if you know you're in that job where you stand for eight to 12 hours a day? Definitely. So compression stockings are the number one thing that I recommend to all my patients who are starting to get veins or who have had veins and just got treated with the sclerotherapy. But if you're in one of those jobs, like in the service industry, um, where you're standing all day or in medicine, where you're standing all day, wearing compression can really help to prevent some of those veins from coming out. Mm, very cool. Who would have thought you would have to be so proactive? But it's a it's a good thought if you, especially if you see your family with it, right? Definitely. My mother has very bad varicosities and was having a lot of pain, and so after she was treated, it really changed her life. So she could actually walk more than five blocks without having to put her feet up, which is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And she could actually go to sleep at night without her legs throbbing and feeling really sore. So that's a great example of a medical indication for sclerotherapy. And for venous, we call it also venous ablation for bigger veins. Venous ablation. Venous ablation. Let's see, what's another good one that we can cover? Is there anything we didn't cover that you were like, well, this is a really cool procedure that we're starting to do or anything like that? Um, No, I can talk about any of those cosmetic topic things. I do all of them and, and everything in between. Okay. Good, good. When it comes to, say, marketing, do you have to do any of that or do you get referrals from all the doctors in the area? Like, what do you do? So I I really think that cosmetics is just like any other field where the best marketing is word of mouth. So definitely marketing on social media, marketing uh, through uh, referrals from other dermatologists or plastic surgeons or hairdressers, OBs. Um, but really word of mouth is the best marketing I've had so far. And if you give someone a great result, all their friends are going to notice and all their friends are going to ask, you know, where, what did you do? Who did you go to? What was the procedure like? And if you can really provide a quality outcome for low cost and for low downtime, then those people are going to become your customers and all of their friends are going to become your customers for life. Do you have any internal procedures to give that patient the wow factor when they are in your office? I love doing laser for removal of brown spots like freckles or doing laser for removing redness in the face because the lasers are so effective for those two conditions that it really causes this wow feeling when all of their freckles peel off after a fraxel procedure or after a, a Q-switch, a laser procedure. And patients are so happy when they see that their nose or their cheeks are no longer red or studded with all these broken blood vessels and they can actually see their natural skin color. It is really an, such an amazing uh, result that people are really just, wow, that was so effective, so low cost, low downtime, low pain or low discomfort that um, that's probably my number one procedure that those are probably my number one procedures that people love. Mm. And do you do any, uh, I'm trying to think, patient walks in, they're in your lobby. Do you have your lobby set up or your, your, your staff trained a certain way to make people feel more welcome or that it's like a high-end clinic, anything like that? So our clinic space is very clean and very streamlined and brand new. 
Um, so it gives people a very warm and welcoming impression. Um, I also have a separate waiting area for my cosmetic procedure, procedure patients so that they can have privacy. If say they're doing numbing medicine for a little while and they need somewhere to sit, so they're not just sitting out in the waiting room with everyone else checking in. We also have very tastefully placed uh, informational brochures, uh, a lookbook of before and after pictures in the waiting area for patients to leaf through while they're waiting for their appointment. Have you had to, you know, you're a woman doctor and not white. (laughs) Did you ever have to overcome any struggles or anything like that while you were going through school, going through medical school as well with the patients as well? Does any of that ever come up where they're like, oh, I don't know about you type of stuff? I think being a non-white young female all work against me compared to being a older, wiser looking white Mm -hmm. male. I think that my um, skin color and background draw a very unique population. I see a lot of patients who are skin of color or who have ethnic skin. um, And it really helps actually to bring in those types of patients because they know that I have the same skin color and the same skin tone and the same issues that they do. And those patients have told me before, like, I have all this redness on my face and I went to another doctor and they couldn't see it. Um, But when I saw them, I could clearly see the redness. And that's just because uh, some doctors just weren't used to looking at their skin tone and recognizing that that was red or that that was brown underneath their natural skin tone. So if anything, I think that has helped me with um, certain patient populations. Um, I think being a young female has been more difficult in terms of credibility. I think just being a young physician, people are always asking more questions about my training to make sure that I have the experience um, versus someone who looks a little bit more wizened and may have you know more years under their belt. Uh, but once I talk with them and do the consult, they can tell that I know what I'm talking about. Once they look through the lookbook and see how many patients I've treated, uh, they're usually pretty confident in uh, my skills. People don't realize for derm, it's like six years extra. You're a seasoned vet by the time you're finally, quote, ready to start on your own. Yeah, it's it's quite a lot of extra training. So after, you know, four years of medical school, there's uh, one year of internship, three years of dermatology, one to two years of fellowship in cosmetics and dermatology. Obviously, there's the boards that are administered by the American Board of Dermatology. So passing that test itself is no uh, cakewalk. So by the time someone is out in practice, they've already got about six years of training under their belt, depending on what route they took. And so they've seen a good number of patients and really do have a lot of expertise in their field before they're even allowed to sit the board for the boards. And to pass the boards, that's really the ultimate stamp of approval um, in their skills. You know, you were talking about the, the redness in the skin, you know, working and living in Asia, in China. You know, some, I didn't really notice when I was first here and when people drink, some of the guys that drink, their face will turn really red. And at first I never, I didn't really notice that. And then once, you know, you're here for a while, you're like, oh yeah, this person can't tolerate alcohol very well, but sure likes to drink. And you can see, <laughs> you can quickly see it in their face. Like, yeah. yeah, that's red. It's still yellowish, but it's red. Yeah. And that's by the, by the time it's that bright red that it's screaming at you, it's pretty obvious. So my goal is to treat things before they get so bright red. All right, cool. Very nice. Someone's starting out. We can go two ways with this question. They're in college. They're trying to figure out what they want to do. 
maybe they've been out of practice. Maybe they're just like a, gen- a general derm or for a couple of years. What should they look for as far as should they go your route? Should they try a different type of dermatology? What are some of the pluses and minuses that they should think of? Well, I think someone who's considering dermatology really should make sure that they absolutely love the skin and everything about the skin. Because even if they don't become a cosmetic dermatologist like myself, if they become a medical dermatologist or a Mohs surgeon, like a surgical dermatologist, they're going to be working with the skin all day, every day. And a lot of my colleagues in med school would do a skin check and say, oh my God, that's so boring. All I'm doing is looking at the skin all day. I really want something more. And so if that's you, or if that's the medical student, then obviously the skin is not for you. But people who go into dermatology are just so passionate about the skin. I could talk about the skin and the nuances and the, you know, different layers of the skin for hours. And if, if that's really kind of what gets you excited, then dermatology is definitely the right route. And after you go into dermatology residency, you're exposed to so many different fields of dermatology, whether it's most surgery dermatopathology, pediatric dermatology, lasers and cosmetics, just complex med derm, general derm, that that exposure will help um, that will that exposure will help you define which route you want to go into throughout the field of dermatology. You got staff. Did you have to hire everybody? Did you hire a manager to take care of that? And how do you train someone to be what you want? That's probably one of the hardest things to do. So um, I definitely have a, a HR person that helps with the hiring. I interview all the people that we hire that's, that works directly under me or that works with me. For training the staff, I really look for people who are energized by what I'm doing, who are coming to work early because they're so excited about what we're doing and, and staying late with procedures if they want, because they're just excited about uh, seeing the transformation that these procedures have on people. But finding someone that has that enthusiasm is probably the first step. And once they have that enthusiasm, you can train anyone because if they have that enthusiasm, they're truly there to learn. But it is very difficult to kind of weed out the people who are genuinely passionate and excited versus the people that are not. But people usually declare their interests within the initial, you know, three months of working with you or even in the initial three weeks of working with you. And so if they're not doing a great job, then they're not the right person for our team. Would you say that people who see the job placement, dermatology clinic, looking for a whatever, right there would weed out some people or enough people apply where they're just like, no, I just needed money. I just need a job. So whatever. Reading the job description helps to weed out a lot of people because we're so procedural. For a lot of dermatologists, they do a lot of skin surgery where you know, there's blood everywhere or, you know, the, the staff or the assistant is actively helping out with a excision or a surgical procedure. So I think that Ah. itself helps to weed out people if they know that they don't like doing hands-on things like that or doing hands-on procedural things like that, then that automatically weeds out a lot of the people. And when I interview the people, you can tell right away if they have the personality, if they're um, excited, if they're cheery, if, if there's someone that, I would want to see walking in the front door of a cosmetic dermatology clinic. If they're kind of gloomy or just there to be there, then uh, it's pretty evident from the beginning. Staff, if they see blood, if they read the description on the ad, they probably wouldn't even apply. Yeah. Um, There's also a lot of staff that just are not interested in cosmetics or in lasers or in any 
type of aesthetic procedure. And that itself weeds out a lot of people. I think the people who make the best uh, staff members are people who have either had cosmetic procedures themselves or who know people who have done it and really understand the quality of life impact that cosmetic procedures can have and how it can really help to transform a patient. Those are the people who really understand because they've been through it before and they really make the best staff people because they are the best ambas- uh, brand ambassadors uh, for the office because they're so enthusiastic and really do believe in the laser treatment or the filler treatment or the sclerotherapy treatment because they've had it themselves or they've seen family and close friends who have had it. Well, well, well. The abrupt ending I was referring to. Like I always say, listen, learn, and implement. Thank you again, audience and Dr. Lee, for your patience. Stay tuned for a quick ad. Y'all have a great week. Well, that wraps up another episode. I want to remind everybody that we have some great affiliate links available. If you're into instrument-assisted soft tissue manipulation, we've got the Edge tool and we've got the Hawk Grips. Saves you about 10%. Also with the edge, you've got the uh, like blood pressure cuff restriction system. You've got the G Suite inexpensive EMR in case you'd like doing cash practice. If you want to know what hosting I use for podcasting, it's Blueberry. Pure VPN, that's one of those ones I use to help keep my payments secure as well as access the internet more safely. You've got the Primal Paleo grass-fed protein bone broth style. Save 10% on that. No sugar, allergy-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, all those types of things. Mentor box, get taught by the author. We got set for set for those floss bands that you may have heard about on one of the episodes. I really like those. Any Amazon products that you might want, click the link in the show notes pages. And of course, I got my own electric acupuncture pin to go with the no needle acupuncture book. From time to time, you know, I'll have a bundle set where you can get them all together for a great price. I also have the free downloads at doctorsperspective.net slash blueprints. And what lately I've been doing is substituting a fifth one, like I've done a knee. And depending on the guest, I might do a different type. So check back there. So all those resources can be found at doctorsperspective.net slash resources. There's also t-shirts at .net slash t-shirts. Put up some new designs from time to time, like making lemons out of lemonade, shrimp po' boy, plus all the chiropractic and podcast swag that you could want. If you have any ideas for guests, please send me an email, justin at a doctorsperspective.net. I'd love to hear who you think would be good or a profession that you may not have heard yet. If you can, send me a review. That's .net slash subscribe, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Android devices. You just click that button. It'll take you exactly to the page you need to. You can write a review, hopefully a five-star review. Like I said, it does help for other people to discover what we're doing here. And we've got over 100 episodes. This is going to be like our third year. Super excited. We're going to have a little mini-series like we've been doing, which has been fun. Hope you've enjoyed them as well. That's, that's the feedback I've gotten. And one thing I haven't really talked about too much is the a doctorsperspective.net slash support page. If you want to buy a, host a cup of coffee, go for it. If you want to pledge a little higher fee, there's buttons for that. There's even monthly recurring. For those who feel like, wow, this is like the cheapest mentor coach program I've ever seen because you interview so many different kinds of doctors and, and I've been able to implement things that I've heard and it works. So monthly recurring payments, which also can get you my books for free, t-shirts for free. Uh, the first book, you know, that deals with health and exercise, getting on a diet, getting your financial health in order as well. Things I've learned in China. You know, that book is available as well. And one thing that I don't have, I don't have like a, a full-blown page about coaching and things, but there's a little button there. I've had people request, hey, doctors and non-doctors asking me, can I do more than just answer a couple of questions? Or could you be my coach for a little while? And I say, yeah, we can do that. So it's something I haven't really advertised, but it's something that I can do and do, whether it's marketing, some strategies for new patients, growth, 
those types of topics. If you're interested, just email me, justin at adoptersperspective.net. As always, listen, critically think, and implement. Have a great week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guest. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trostclair, giving you a doctor's perspective. <laughs>